you need to know your business better than anybody knows your business. You need to know your business upside down because sometimes investors may not just invest into your idea or your project, but they're really investing into you. Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. I'm here with Eric Mendelson, TechCrunch Disrupt Cup winner 2017. He is CEO and co-founder of Recordgram Inc., as well as the blockchain company Tune. He is joined today by Robin Lamb, who is co-founder of Block Talks, the South Florida cryptocurrency event company. Eric and Robin are here to teach us how to go from idea to token generation event, aka TGE, which is formerly known as Initial Coin Offering, ICO. Guys, I'm super excited to have you on today and I can't wait to learn from you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, same here. So, the first thing that popped in my head as I was reading this intro was, what caused the shift from ICO, which was the popular term a year or two ago, to now TGE? What caused that? You know, the truth is when I heard the term ICO, I wasn't a big fan of it to begin with because it, it really, it could be a little deceiving, could, you know, talking about IPO, ICO. And I think that people were using that term um, kind of interchangeably. And I think that the SEC was is right, even though they haven't come down with any like formal laws, I don't think against it. You want to stay away from doing it. You want to stay away from calling it an ICO, at least here in America, because the SEC is trying to protect the public. And let's face it, the majority of the public, when they hear ICO, it makes it sound like IPO and there's a really fine line there. So, I certainly recommend any companies that are issuing tokens in the space to call it a token generation event or a token distribution event and stay away from an ICO. Yeah, I feel like I think this is starting of the theme of when you're doing an ICO, there's like 10,000 tripwires and then this is like even naming your your <laughs> what you're calling it is is already the first tripwire of, of 10,000 of them. I'm sure you have million stories about things like that. I mean, part of the reason why I wanted to link up with Robin and, and do, you know, the idea to token generation event seminar here in Miami is because I meet a lot of entrepreneurs like myself and I meet a lot of people who are trying to do a token generation event and they don't really have a clue. And the first thing that they want to do is hire a lawyer and spend a bunch of money and I'm trying to save them a bunch of money and that's why I want to do this seminar. And then when you talk to someone who has a really good idea, an entrepreneur has a good idea and they come and say, well, I want to do an ICO right there. It's like amateur hour. Like you shouldn't be calling it an ICO at this point. I'm like, I can help this entrepreneur at the very least get their shit together so that when they're actually talking, um, when they're actually trying to educate the public as to what they're doing, that they're not making these tripwire mistakes that you just referenced. And there are about 10,000 of them that there's no law, there's no rule, but you just want to be careful as to how you do it. And I've paid a lot of attorneys to tell me the right way to go about doing it. And now I'm going to try to give all that information essentially for free to people in Miami who come to our seminar. You know, you just reminded me of those ads I see on the internet where it's like, mom invented way to like get this new treatment. Doctors hate him or doctors hate her. So, you're like that ad but for, for crypto lawyers, it's like, he's giving all his secrets away for free. Crypto lawyers hate him. <laughs> you know, I want them to hate me but I also know that in order to successfully execute a token generation event anywhere in the world, you need a good legal team but I kind of want to show people what lawyers are out there, who I like, who I, who I don't like and just maybe different ways to think about doing a token generation event besides just throwing a bunch of money at front. There's other things that need to happen before the hiring of a lawyer to make sure that what you're doing is is right for your 
company and for your hopefully decentralized um, business. Because a lot of these token generation events are not decentralized businesses. That's a big red, red flag to the SEC. If you're just doing this to raise money or if you're using a cryptocurrency token as a, as a means of exchange to buy a good or a service, where's the decentralized you know, angle in that? Where's the, the blockchain use case for all that? Because if you don't have those two things, then all you're really just trying to do is fundraising. And I think that that's what the SEC is trying to prevent, people from doing fundraising events, calling it a utility token when it's really just a security. These are the type of, I guess, token generation events that I don't want to see in the market because it affects all of the entrepreneurs who are doing really good things in the blockchain space. Yeah, just go on top of that. Of course, you're going to need lawyers like Eric said, but in reality, you want to cut out all the excess fat you're going to spend like throwing so much money at it, right? If someone's telling you like a general way, a guideline step-by-step step, how to do something, of course, you're still going to need a lawyer at the end of the day, but you know where your direction is. Like, hey, I don't need to waste money on this. This is where I should actually go. Going off on lawyers for a second, you're paying lawyers from the second you engage them, right? And your idea and your business may pivot and may change between your idea to your white paper to the actual execution of your token generation event. And you really only need a lawyer. My, and I'm not a lawyer, so don't take this as legal <laughs> advice. Don't take this as legal advice. But nor is it economic or investment yeah, advice. Anything you're saying. Yes, yeah, and, and, that, and that's a serious disclaimer. I think that you hire a lawyer after you come up with a white paper and and come out with your idea and get your team in order. Then you hire a lawyer to look over your white paper to kind of fine-tune it, put the legalese and the disclaimers in there, and kind of show you the right way to go about doing the whole process legally. But just hiring a lawyer up front before you have an idea on a white paper and a team, it's, you're just premature and you're basically throwing your money out the window at that point. Hmm. Yeah, little tip. I'm liking this little tip, saving me money. So, let's back up a second just so people can understand uh, a little bit more about your backgrounds, mm -hmm. both of you, just, just briefly where you got this knowledge, how you got into crypto, what were you doing before you got to the point you're at now? All right. So for me, I got involved in 2011 and just buying Bitcoin through the main mainstream. Mostly when I got involved in blockchain itself, it's mostly in March 2017. I started, I am a developer. I had a degree in computer engineering from the University of Florida. And I guess I learned more about Solidity and more about contracts in general and learning about the program aspects. So that's where I got involved in it. Less about me and more about Eric. So. Oh, thanks, buddy. So I'm a music executive. I've been in the music industry my entire life. I worked my way up from an intern, interning at Hot 97 in New York City, all the way to executive producing albums that have generated over tens of millions of dollars in gross revenue. I discovered several big artists, negotiated several deals with major publishing companies and record companies. And what I was noticing, me and my business partners and my co-founders here with Recordgram and Tune, was that the music industry wasn't innovating. And they didn't have these um, divisions within their record companies that had, I don't want to say kids like myself because I'm a grown man, but didn't have divisions that were like innovating the way like a Google or an Amazon or any one of these other companies out there in the tech space. When I go to San Francisco or even LA, these offices are cool and they have like these divisions of cool where, the, where they have the employees that are just going out there like coming up with ideas and trying to develop these ideas and the record labels don't have that. And I was like, this is not fun for me anymore. This is not a business that I see really making a lot of money in, in the future. And I like to do things and follow my passion at what I like to do first and have the money come second. But to me, the music industry just wasn't fun anymore. But I still love music and I still have a lot of strong relationships in the industry. And I said, let's try to figure out some problems. And, and my co-founder, Mims, who's a multi-platinum recording artist, said, we need to start taking a look at technology. This was five, seven years ago, maybe. I mean, I was still using a BlackBerry at the time. I was not the first, I'm not like this person who like is the first person to use tech. I mean, more so I am now, but I was like, dare I say tech ignorant. Like I always let someone else get the new tech stuff products first and try it out and then tell me what they thought about it. And then I would go out and 
buy it. With Bitcoin, I learned about that four or five years ago at some conference down here in Miami. And I was, it was like $20 at the time, like the old story goes. I was too scared to buy it. I bought like $1 worth at the time. And I was just too, I didn't understand it. I didn't have I didn't have enough time to wrap my brain around it. So yeah, we're, we're all kicking ourselves. For all, <laughs> yeah. And I, I consider myself a pretty uh, intelligent individual. And that was one that I missed. But then we, we created, you know, a company called Uremix before Recordgram, which was a remix platform. We pivoted to Recordgram about two or three years ago. Um, again, I don't know. I'm just a business guy. I find holes in businesses and I try to fix them. And I try to see where the, where there's a hole in the market where there where a business could be made. And Mims came to me and my, my co-founder, Blackout, who's a Grammy Award-winning producer with this idea for Recordgram. I looked at the market. I saw that there was nothing like what he had described. There were competitors in the space, but no one actually doing it the way that we were doing it. And we just dove head first, self-invested into the into the company. None of us knew how to develop develop, so we hired developers. And you know, it's been a two or three year long process. We were fortunate enough to be accepted into Project Music in 2016, which at the time was the only music technology accelerator in the world, and it surrounded us with a great group of music technology experts and investors. And then from the, a lot of the major labels and publishers, um, because of that program, own a small piece of Recordgram, and then. We didn't get investment out of that, which really sucked because we're a music tech company in Music City in Nashville. And we didn't get investment, but we didn't give up. I kept pitching and going to every event possible, especially down here in Miami. It was kind of like the big fish in the small pond. And I felt like I was the big fish down here and couldn't make a difference. And then just started pitching and meeting people. And then TechCrunch came down here. And they picked me as they picked Recordgram as one of the five companies to pitch for an opportunity to go to TechCrunch in New York and get like free tickets. And I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. I pitched and we won. Fortunately, we got two tickets to TechCrunch. And then from that one day of having like a little table, like a coffee-sized table at TechCrunch, we were picked as the wildcard team to go against the battlefield companies. They they pre-select like twenty companies. TechCrunch does. And the first day, so we won the pitch competition in Miami. We flew to New York a few months later. And we won, we were selected as a wildcard team. That day we pitched against 10 of the battlefield companies. We beat them all, which advanced us to the final day. And we competed against five or six other battlefield companies and we won the TechCrunch Disrupt Cup. We were the first company from Miami ever to win. We were the first majority minority owned company to win. And we were the first music technology company to win. And I'm just a music executive. I don't know how to code for my life. Go figure. Is this where we give you a round of applause? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I hope I didn't talk everyone's ear off just now. But that's kind of how we did it. What was the song that Mims made uh, famous again? Yeah. This is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. This, this is, is why I'm hot. Yeah. yeah. That's his co-founder, guys. That song fucking still drives me crazy to this day. <laughs> and, and it's crazy because when we do... I'm allowed to curse on this thing, right? Yeah, well, it's explicit. Don't worry. Well, you're on Facebook Live. So. Good. <laughs> that, that, that shows my passion. When he performs that song or when we perform like at fraternities and sorority houses all across the country and then like the girls come up to us like, oh, I was listening to that song when I was seven years old. We're like, I feel so old, man. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like holy shit, it was that long ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every day. Every day we get a little bit older so I want to pivot back now to talking about where you guys are doing now. So you have you have Tune, right? Could you go a little bit on into what Tune is doing and where you guys are at? Yeah. So after we won TechCrunch, which was in May, uh, actually previous to TechCrunch, we were on a show called Plan of the Apps on Apple Music, which featured Gwyneth Paltrow, Will I Am, Jessica Alba, and Gary Vaynerchuk. And we were fortunate enough to have Will I Am as one of our advisors on the show, and now currently as a part of Recordgram. That show filmed from November until Feb, from November of 2016 until. 
February of 2017. Look at, listen to this, how crazy this timeline is. Because we were on that show, 36 companies from around the world were picked out of hundreds of thousands of applicants. We were one of 36. Only 15 companies got investment from being on the show because as the final episode, you pitched to Lightspeed Venture Partners. They're a $4 billion fund out of San Francisco, led the round with Snapchat. And as I found out later, Ripple, Mule, saw a bunch of like um, blockchain companies. We pitched to them and we got their investment. One of 15 companies out of 36 that got investment from Lightspeed. Lightspeed, in my opinion, is one of the top five biggest VCs on the planet in terms of their, what's the word I'm looking for, how successful they are with picking startups uh, or companies to invest in. But what's crazy is that because it, that show had taped in February, we weren't able to talk about it when we were at TechCrunch because the show didn't come out until August. So we were on Planet of the Apps. We knew we had this big thing coming. We had just land, closed our seed round. And then we won the biggest award for a, t- for a startup to win ever. And after TechCrunch, we had $7 million of money that was people wanted to invest in our company. But we had to pass because we had just closed our seed round with Lightspeed and New Orleans Angels in Florida, Monique Mosley. And we couldn't tell anyone that we were also on the <laughs> show coming out on Apple Music. It's like, we have something awesome but we can't tell you they're, they're, they're <laughs> at like, all. like you know an entrepreneur is like for years tries to get money and now we won the, the biggest award for a startup we had seven million dollars at least of people trying to give us and we were telling them no they looked at us like we were fucking not like how did you guys just win the biggest <laughs> award and you're not taking my money but we couldn't say why we couldn't take it and then around that time in june our lead investor in New World Angels, um, Gary Mainheimer, who's down here, who's based down here in South Florida, said, Eric, you guys should think about accepting cryptocurrency and look into this blockchain thing. And to me, I was like, it's a foreign language. I was like, I knew about this Bitcoin thing years ago. That's what I call it, this Bitcoin thing. I was like, but I didn't have the time. I just closed. I'm focused on doing my business. But then several days later, several big music executives were calling me like, you guys considered like blockchain and cryptocurrency? No one had mentioned ICO, which was fine to call it at the time. ICO. This is in June of 2017. Then I got calls from my friends in Dubai, you know, very wealthy friends in Dubai, like everyone has wealthy friends in Dubai. And they were like, have you guys considered doing an ICO? Again, they were allowed to call that back then. I was like, well, what the hell was an ICO? They're like companies like yours that have a real use case for blockchain are raising a lot of money or generating a lot of money right now, creating their own economy, their own cryptocurrency. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So my co-founder called me. He's like, no, what he's saying is the real deal. Look it up and research it. You're the guy to do it. So for like a whole month, all I did was research it. And then I went to a conference in Zurich and I pitched there and I came in second place in this blockchain conference. And I was like, this is the real deal. And then I looked at all the implications that blockchain has for the music industry. And I said, we have to do this, guys. We have to do our own token generation event. We have to create our own token, which we were now calling it the Tune Token. And we need to integrate that into RecordGram and hope that the software that we're developing, we can also license to other companies out there that aren't innovating, like these record companies and these music publishers. And we think that we're developing products right now that will eventually be used for the entire music industry. But for starters, we're focused on that use case happening with RecordGram and the early adopters of the RecordGram users, our downloaders, using the Tune token. Because right now, as you guys know, the majority of the ICOs out there or token generation events, like 95% of them don't even have a product. We have a product. We're winning awards. We have legitimate investors. We're the real deal. And I want to be able to teach that and teach what I've learned over the last 10 or I would say over the last year of researching blockchain and doing token generation events. I want to teach that. I don't want to be a teacher, but I want to, I guess, teach that during a two or three hour seminar with Robin down here in Miami. And you guys should check it out. It's on April 17th. So, so it's coming up soon, but uh, tickets are a hundred dollars, but something you spend maybe millions of dollars on lawyers and stuff and guidance. I think it's worth your time. So I personally have spent over $100,000 traveling to conferences all over the world over from my music career onto this blockchain space. And what I'm going to tell people who come to this seminar 
is invaluable information. And it's, it's literally, it's uncut, it's raw, just like this interview. And I'm going to try to teach them everything that I learned, hopefully save them some money, not act as their lawyer, not act as their accountant, but show them the right steps to execute on their idea. Because if they're successful in executing their idea, then that's good for the blockchain industry as a whole. And it's good for, for my industry personally. And it makes me feel good to be able to give back and help other entrepreneurs. And I think the, the fee of $100 is beyond, uh, beyond worth it. And by the way, we're giving them their money back too. So if you come to the seminar and you don't like or you didn't learn anything, you get your money back directly right after the seminar. That's how much I know that what I'm going to say to the people who come to it, how I know what the value that I'm providing to them is. I think I just heard uh, 100,000 wallets open up at the same time. <laughs> Let me. If someone came to me and said, Eric, if you, if you spend $100 to come to my seminar, I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know to do a token generation event. I'm going to lay the blueprint out for you and I'm going to give you some tricks of the trade that people haven't, that, that you're not going to just find from just going to conferences. I would have paid $100 a thousand times over, you know, 10 months ago. I would have saved a lot of money too doing it. So I'm, I'm really trying to help the community down here in Florida. Yeah, as also an advisor to a couple ICOs myself, I can tell you that a lot of people just end up having to pay for people to come in their company to give them that same advice. They'll they'll take on an advisor who's gone through an ICO and pay them tens of thousands of dollars to get this same advice. So, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to talk about that too during the uh, the seminar. So, why don't we start from the top? I'm someone who has an, an idea that I think mm-hmm. could be good for the blockchain. Uh, maybe a good use case. I have a uh, maybe one or two people have already like kind of assembled together. I'm thinking about doing a TGE. Right. What would you tell me? The first thing that I would tell you is make sure that you have a little bit of money to get the process started. The second thing, the second thing that I would tell you is have you formally written your idea down on paper? How many white papers have you read? Very important. People come into the space and they want to do a token generation event. They haven't read one white paper. They have no idea what the process is or what the vernacular or the language needs to be in white papers. And don't just look at white papers that's similar to maybe what you're doing or similar to your industry. Go take a look at a wide, wide range of, of white papers because you'll really be educated as to what should be included, at least the good one, good white papers because there's a lot of shit out there. You'll be educated as to what you need to include in your white paper. And if you don't think that you're capable of finding a team, you don't necessarily need to be the one to do it. But if you can't go out there and find the team necessary to build a white paper and actually execute on the white paper, then you have no business doing a token generation event. So my first advice is have your idea thought out thoroughly, research your idea, read other white papers, find a team to write your white paper, preferably a tech team to write your white paper and a business person to write your, write your um, white paper. It shouldn't just be the tech guys writing it and it shouldn't just be business. It should be a combination of business and technical expertise writing your white paper. Hopefully it's you. If not, find, you know, write what you can and find your weaknesses and have someone, have someone grow your weaknesses into strengths. Send the white paper out to people that you trust in, your, in the community. Hopefully, you're growing a community on Telegram. Again, we'll get into that a little bit during the seminar. And then bring it to a lawyer to, have, to help you fine-tune it from, from a legal perspective. But have the community review that white paper because they're going to poke holes in it and tell you what's right and what's wrong about what you're doing. There'll be more information discussed at the seminar. So, we're, not, we're giving out a little bit, but not all of it. So, tune out. Yeah, we can only discuss so much in an hour here or less than an hour really. So... Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things I've seen about crypto so far is that you really can get that community feedback. There's very few companies in the traditional space that have like a a big telegram chat where they're communicating with people on a regular basis and getting constant feedback, both good and bad. A lot of it really stressfully bad, but uh, you know, that's just kind of the nature of things. 
I want to ask a question just based on something my friend was asking me the other day. Not a friend, a guy, a guy I met. He was asking me, okay, that's great. You know, I, I have like this idea. I kind of like I'm writing this white paper, but you know, everyone tells me the thing that people look at is the team. Like it's always about the team mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of people struggle. And you said that people have no business being in the space if they can't find the team. So, what if someone's really, really, really passionate and they, they want to find team members? Where do you suggest they go about looking, finding top people to work with? Yeah, that's obviously a great question. Again, I'll definitely get into more of that question at the seminar. There's a lot of people that I call them the blockchain mafia. Uh, that's actually a positive term. You know, there's a lot of the blockchain mafia out there that that are advisors for a lot of projects, but they're really taking on projects that they believe in that think that they have the team necessary to succeed. Um, these are like you know pioneers in the blockchain space, the guys that do the conferences, the guys that are speaking at all the conferences. These are guys that have a lot of credibility in the space, and you definitely want to try to find one or two of those to bring on your team. And I think it starts with going to conferences and seminars like the one that we're, we're giving and talking to people and seeing who's interested in what you're doing. The problem is that when you go to these conferences, there's a lot of people there that are pitching their own ideas or have their own ideas and are trying to find their own team. Maybe you bump into someone like that and they say, well, you know what? My idea is crap. Maybe what you're doing is cool and maybe we can help each other out. But the bottom line is you got to go to conferences. You got to listen to people talk. You got to go network with as many people. The good thing about this community is that it is an open community. The top advisors in this space are pretty accessible um, to speak with. You got to have your shit together when you go speak to them because there's a lot of people, thousands, I'd say hundreds of people that are probably pitching them on a daily basis to be a part of their team. But at the end of the day, you have to realize where your weaknesses are and fill in the blanks of those weaknesses because you actually want to build a product, right? Like you want to build a good white paper and you actually want to build a product. This is not just a fundraising event. This is not just a fundraising opportunity. And if you think this is a get rich quick scheme, then don't come to the seminar because this is not a get rich quick scheme. This is a, I want to utilize blockchain to create a business that's going to potentially change the world. A decentralized business. I can't even call it a business. Decentralized ecosystem. Yeah, see, there's a tip. Don't call it a business. A decentralized ecosystem that could potentially change the world. And if that's what you're passionate about, you should be able to find a team really, I don't want to say quickly, but you should be able to build the team necessary to execute on your vision using blockchain decentralized technology. Okay. So, we're out the step. Someone's put together an awesome team. They've gone to these conferences. Maybe they even moved out to San Francisco or found someone who lives lives in like a, a tech-heavy area who can help them recruit. They built a solid team. Would you suggest building a product even before considering doing a, a TGE or do you think it's okay to like do those things concurrently? So, the reason that people were doing ICOs back in the day and are now doing token generation events is because they're really trying to get the money necessary to grow their idea and build their idea and build their product. And that's still for the for 95% of companies out there, that's still the case. They don't have the money to hire the tech talent necessary to b- grow their idea. So, they come up with a white paper and they try to basically go out there and sell, pre-sale these tokens that's going to power their ecosystem, but their ecosystem isn't built yet. So, to answer your question, it's kind of a catch-22 because the the whole point of ICOs and token generation events is people typically don't have the money. They can't raise traditional funding for their idea. So, they go out there to try to raise money from the crowd to build their idea, right? But now, what's happening in this market and with all these regulations is that you are light years ahead. Recogram and Tune are light years ahead of the majority of the companies out there because we actually have a product that we had built even before we discovered blockchain and all the great use cases that it could have, all the great use cases it could have for our business to improve our business, right? So, I guess the answer to your question is if you have the ability to develop your product before you even start this process, hell yeah, go do that. 
you're going to have way more credibility than most people out there. Then it's relatively easy to write, write your white paper. You already built the business. Now you just got to put words to paper, right? But if you're not fortunate, if you're not a developer, or if you don't have the funds to do that, then certainly that's what people are using token generation events for and ICOs for is to take their idea that they have on paper and bring it to life. Whatever floats your boat, it's more than just an idea now. People used to wake up in like April of 2017. It seems like it was last year. Uh, it was less than a year ago still. <laughs> People were coming up with ideas and they were raising a lot of money on ideas. And that doesn't typically happen if, if for entrepreneurs anymore, at least in the traditional investment space. But now you have to at least at the very least have a white paper, the very least have a white paper and have that white paper airtight because no one's going to invest in you. Your white paper is not airtight. And by the way, the legislative bodies or the, the SEC and other other bodies are looking at companies like that. Like you're just trying to scam the public and you don't want the SEC knocking on your door if you're trying to scam the public. But if you have a good airtight white paper and then you follow it up with good, a good legal team and a good legal structure and then you complement that with a good uh, set of advisors and a, and a good team and you start executing on your idea, you should be okay in this space. But it's it's a slippery slope and like you said, there's 10,000, would you say tripwires? Tripwires. I like that. There's 10,000 tripwires out there. And uh, this seminar that, that I'm giving on April 17th, I'm going to try to have you avoid uh, 10,001 tripwires. Have you ever seen Mission Impossible, that scene where um, he's like breaking into the vault and there's a million lasers and he's on the he's on the string like trying to avoid the million lasers? I just imagine that like the ICO founder is just like going through the lasers, trying not to hit something and set off the alarm. You know what? I don't want to make it seem like this is like this overly complicated. Okay, it is a complicated process. And the other tip I'm going to give is this is a full-time job. This is not something you can do if you're working at, you know, the Crab Shack. No, no offense to people if you work at the Crab Shack, but you're going to want to probably quit your job. And, and focus on this because this is not this is a 70 hour a week job and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that I be, I just flew in from the Cayman Islands and drove right here just to participate in this interview which uh, I greatly appreciate yeah some people can make this more complicated than it is the rules change I feel like there's something new happening like every single day. Yeah. You pay the lawyer for advice one day. The next day, you, you just paid for it different. He's going to charge you for some new advice. It's a real shit show out there. I love that word. It's a real shit show and you got to be careful. But there are some key things that you probably want to do in advance of hiring lawyers that we're going to talk about at the seminar um, that I think is going to potentially save you, a, a, not potentially, it will save you a lot of money in advance. And we'll talk about how to find the right team like you had asked earlier. We're going to talk about uh, code audits. What's the process of a code audit? We're going to talk about building a community. We're going to talk about how, you know, token, you know, different ways people are doing token economics. We're really going to get into everything, literally from idea to execution of the token generation event. Well, I'm excited. I'm definitely going to be there. I want to point out, Tune was the first company in Miami to announce that we were actually doing a token generation event. I think there's been like two or three other companies that have done it, and I'm very happy for them in the Miami scene. But we were the first ones to actually announce it, and we announced it at TechCrunch think in August or September of last year. And we've waited from August to September. Some people do this in two or three weeks. We've waited from August all the way until now to actually start our private sale. And as you know, the price of ETH has gone down a little bit. So we're, we're, in, a, we're in a tough market right now, but I still think that there's a ton of potential out there for companies to utilize blockchain technology and utilize you know, token generation events to their benefit. And, and quite frankly, uh, it should be for society's benefit as well. We'll get into that also. Yeah, I do see a lot of projects who look like they're trying to enrich themselves. So, let this be a stern warning to companies. If you're, if you're not trying to actually make the blockchain world better, please, please get out. You're making the blockchain space worse and you're making it a lot harder for the legitimate companies to succeed. So, 
And the SEC will get you. <laughs> We've taken a really strong position in our own Telegram. Uh, the tune Telegram is Recogram ICO. So if you're on Telegram, Recogram ICO is our Telegram channel. If, if you're posting like when Lambo memes in our Telegram or any like childish bullshit that like a traditional venture capitalist would be like, get out of my office. If you're doing that in our chat room, we're banning you. You're not coming. It's not even like a one strike warning. Like you're out of there because it's just, it's bad for our community because in our community right now, are really passionate community members who are passionate about Tune, who are passionate about a decentralized music ecosystem that we're creating with Recogram and are there to see the, the project grow and fulfill all of the promises that we've made in our white paper, in our both our technical white paper and our business white paper. And we were in the process of executing on those ideas right now, even before, well, we just kind of started our private sale, but even before the final execution of our token generation event, we're already executing on a lot of the stuff that we already put in our white papers. So don't be a clown in this industry, in my opinion. Unless you're clown token, then it's okay. But <laughs> is, there is, is there a clown token? I don't know, but oh, there probably is a clown token. Uh, I'll invest in clown De- token. Decentralized clown based assets. It's uh... listen. I'll buy some clown. To- Who's selling clown token? I'll buy that. I gotta have at least one clown token in my portfolio. This is ridiculous. What are some of the other big lessons you guys have already learned? Like maybe a general, even business lesson it doesn't have to be blockchain based because you guys have. I think I heard a good metaphor the other day that was like entrepreneurs are the people with arrows in their back laying in the dirt. They're the ones who've like experienced everything firsthand. So, you guys are the best guys to ask. So, what are some of those arrows that have stabbed you in the back that are now great lessons to take forward? My favorite saying is actually an entrepreneur is someone who jumps out of a plane and then builds the, what is it, the parachute on the way down. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I've definitely built a few parachutes on the way down. One of the best things that any entrepreneur can do, and this seems pretty contrived, but you need to know your business better than anybody knows your business. You need to know your business upside down. You need to know who your competitors are because whether you're doing a token generation event or whether you're doing, if you're trying to raise traditional funding, you got to know who you're up against out there, what they're doing, what sets you apart, what makes you special, why are you different? Because sometimes investors um, may not just invest into your idea or your project, but they're really investing into you. And you have to convince them that you're the right person to tackle on the problem that you're trying to solve. And that's the other thing, by the way. Any person in this world can create a business. It doesn't necessarily have to be technology related if you solve a problem. So my first step to any entrepreneur, regardless of whether it's technology or if you want to own your own taco stand somewhere, right? Come up with a problem for the taco stand that maybe there's no taco stands in the area and people want to get tacos and now you're solving the problem for the people in the area who want to get tacos. You built the taco stand, right? So, the first thing that you need to do as an entrepreneur is find a problem, talk to other people about your problem, see if there's other people out there that have the same problem that you do. Chances are there are. Research the market. Does your problem have a big enough market and then if you're, the answer is yes, then go out there and solve the problem and build that business. And don't let anyone tell you no. Don't let anyone tell you no because if you know that there's a problem out there and if you did the right research to research the market size of the problem and you're the right person to fix that problem because it affects you, then you have a business and go out there and execute. Again, don't let anyone tell you no if you've done your research. If you haven't done your research, a few people tell you no, maybe you want to walk away because you didn't do the right research and you're wrong. But if you know in your heart you've done the right research, don't give up. How big of a market size is a big enough market size in your opinion? 
That's a great question. That really depends on the entrepreneur. It depends if you're, are you trying to raise, you know, traditional, traditional funding? Cause you're going to need a really big market for that. Um, are you trying to just put food on the table to feed your family and have a legitimate business and make a hundred thousand, a hundred fifty thousand dollars a year? Then your market size could be how many tacos do I need to sell in this town to do that? Is, is the town big enough? Is the demand big enough to buy these tacos to support my goals? So it really up to the entrepreneur and what the entrepreneur's goals are. Certainly in technology, you need a pretty big market size to get investment to be successful. And it's very tough to do. Like hundreds of millions, at least billions even. The reason that we were on that show, Planet of the Apps on Apple Music is because Apple realizes that they have a little bit of a problem. And that is the majority of the apps that make money on the Apple App Store, on the iOS Store, are owned by like five or 10 companies. So, they're like, there's, there's, there's so many good apps out there by entrepreneurs that aren't getting their shine and recognition because they don't have hundreds of millions of dollars in funding. And they created a show called Planet of the Apps to kind of meet that demand. Um, and, it's on epi- and, and it's on Apple Music and we're episode nine. Check it out. No, it, you don't need hundreds of millions. You know, it, I know that venture capitalists here, I'll give you the number, okay? Venture capitalists want to see you have between 10 to 20,000 daily active users on a mobile app. You don't have to be making any money. That's something that I learned. It was crazy in this technology space. To own a business or to run a business, I thought you had to make money. Apparently in technology, it's about acquiring users because it's really hard to do because there's so much competition. So you have to get 10 to 20,000 daily active users using your app. And you'll be able to get funding relatively easy if you have that. And if you can prove that it's growing and growing and growing and growing, then some of the biggest VCs in the world will definitely take a meeting. You'll get funding with, with those metrics. See, there's something that they probably didn't know. How about that? I didn't know that, certainly. You and my friend, uh, Shines Day, he created Zeusk. Yeah. Um, you guys need to, you guys need to be friends. Okay, cool. Introduce you to him. Friends on Telegram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can be friends on Telegram. Okay. I mean, that's what crypto friendship is anyway, right? You don't, you don't need real friendship. In fact, I actually know plenty of companies where there's some people who've actually physically never even met each other and they work together for months and months. Which can be both a good thing and a bad thing because you don't necessarily know the person. Our, our initial developers for Recordgram were based in northern India. We didn't meet them for over a year and we fortunately were able to feed their families for a year. They, they got a better salary than they would have gotten in India. We paid them. We outsourced them because it was cheaper than hiring developers in America. We never met them. Uh, maybe a few video calls, but their their Wi-Fi was so bad that we couldn't even like really do video calls. So, and they're sitting there building our app. Like we, they didn't even have an iPhone. We had to send them iPhones to test our app. <laughs> it's not like the the point is, them, you know. So we had to send them. Fo- so they were built. They were building an iOS app, but they didn't have an iOS Apple phone to an iPhone to test the app on. It's crazy. How did they build it without an actual iPhone? How does that work? They, I don't know. They, <laughs> they computer some language. <laughs> they, they, you know, there's all these computer um, programs that simulate the app functioning in the app but what they would do is they would they would do it through a test test flight program and my, myself my co-founders and my team were able to test it but it was really it was a little weird because we're like hey here are the bugs in in the app and we're testing it in the app and they're like well we don't have a phone to test it we're like you know we were like we were like a year into it they didn't have an iphone we're like sent them 10 iphones like here test the app out. this is crazy but you know when you're when you're dealing with you know when you those are just the funny issues that you have to deal with when you're dealing with overseas developers but you save a lot of money and you and you bootstrap your company which is what a lot of entrepreneurs have to do, believe it or not. There's a lot of war stories behind the scenes. Yeah. My friend's team built like some of the top apps in um, Iran and it's, it's amazing how much you can save by going abroad and using an overseas team where the wages are a little bit lower because like you'll spend paying one developer here where you could spend for an entire team in, in another country where the wages are less. It's crazy the price difference. 
there's a lot of also negatives to doing it that way. But if you're bootstrapping and you just want to get an MVP out there, a minimum viable product out there to show investors or to show that your business works and to have a flow going, then I think that that's the best route. But uh, chances are you're going to have to, if you get funding, go back and you know redevelop your app from scratch, um, probably using stateside developers. But that's a whole other topic. <laughs> All right. I think we're, I'm closing in on time a little bit, but do you have any maybe last quick tips or uh, anything you want to share with the audience before we go? Yeah. Please join our telegram. It's Recogram ICO. You could also hit me up on my own personal, well, I mean, Recogram ICO is the telegram channel. I'm the one who does all of the uh, community engagement on the telegram for right now. I'm very easy to find. I'm, my legal name is Eric Mendelson. You can Google me and find me. If you're down here in the South Florida area, definitely come to our seminar that we're doing from idea to token generation event. It's April 17th. I don't think we necessarily picked a location out yet, but they can get tickets where? Where do we have the tickets uh, right it's now? It's on event right right now. Uh, on Eventbrite. Yeah, or you can just go to blocktalks.com. Boom. Also, you can go, go on blocktalks.com. So, it's B-L-O-K and talks, T-A-L-K-S.com. See, that was something good that you did that I was going to correct you on. Most people, when they do interviews, they say things, but it might not be phonetically spelled the right way. And they think that people automatically know that Block Talks is spelled without a C. That's B-L-O-O-K-T-A-L-K-S, yeah. not B-L-O-C-K. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Those little things make a big difference because I've been around musicians my whole life and they go on, they go on radio and they promote certain things. And they understand what they're saying, but maybe the public doesn't. So it's my job to go in there and say, hey, maybe you should spell it out or spell out your Instagram handle because my name is Eric. People spell Eric, you know, four or five different ways. How do they know how to spell Eric? Uh, anyways, that's just stupid little tip. How do you spell Eric if people want to look you up? Oh, it's e good point. Good point. <laughs> it's E-R-I-K. I spell mine with a K. I'm a little different. That'll be $20. Yeah, yeah. Very, 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 very good. And download Recordgram. Download the Recordgram app on iOS right now. And if you come... To the seminar, I'll give you a little gift. How about that? I'm not going to say Ooh, what it what's is. What's the gift? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not going to say what, It's a surprise gift. I'm not going to say what it is, but if you come to the, our seminar on April 17th and you have Recogram downloaded on your phone and you show myself that you have it downloaded, you're going to get a gift and I think you'll be pretty happy with it. How about that? And that's the day before my birthday. So, if you guys are there, you can bring me a gift too. Are you an Aries? I'm an Aries, baby. I'm, I'm April 2nd. I'm an Aries also. Yeah. Well, they say we're, we're very pugnacious, but make good leaders. And uh, I guess that explains why you're a founder, I, multiple I, founder. I didn't know that. I've heard other negative things, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard them. Check out Block Talks, B-L-O-K-T-A-L-K-S dot com. And check out Recordgram. That's just record and then gram. Very simple. Check out the app. Both these guys are super knowledgeable. And if you are in my, the Miami area and you're listening to this in, in time, check out the talk on April 17th. I think it'll be really worthwhile. As we said, and I personally have a lot of experience in this, you will spend a crap ton of money trying to figure out all this information that you're going to get for only 100 bucks. So, if you are an entrepreneur, this is totally worth your while. I've had so many companies down here in Miami come up to me. Like I spoke at a, a Blog Talks event. There's like 150, 200 people there. I was blown away by the amount of community that he's been able to generate. And then afterwards, I had not even people from the Blog Talks community, but I had people coming up to me, you know, Eric, would you do advising for us? Would you do mentoring? Would you do all this? And the questions that they're asking me, I'm scratching my head and I'm like, and I'm telling them like, no, you're thinking about it the wrong way or don't do that. 
Like, who told you that? Who? Tell me who. And it would piss me off. And I was like, you know what? And I called up Robin literally the next day. I'm like, bro, I want to do this. I got to write this. I want to do, I was planning to do some sort of curriculum anyways to help people out. But I liked his community so much. I liked the Blog Talks community so much. I was like, Robin, let's do this together. Let's get your community involved. And let me teach a seminar so that I don't have to keep answering every single question when I'm out in the street and people are stopping. Literally, that's what's going on. People are like, stop. Like, aren't you Eric? And like, they're like stopping me. And I'm like, stop doing that. Like, if you listen to lawyers, they're going to tell you no for everything. Like, no, 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 especially here in America. And it's like, there's other ways to do certain things out there that I've learned over the last year. And that's what I'm going to talk about at the seminar. Awesome. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to April 17th. And hopefully you guys got some value out of this podcast. You better have. Otherwise, I don't like you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much, guys, for coming on. It was a real pleasure to get to talk to you. Keep it cryptic, guys. Thanks for having us. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to a Bit Cryptic podcast. The podcast is hosted by Rob Peterson, Alain Leon, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Website created by Coco Liu and Kevin Van, and show notes and articles made by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really, really does help us promote the show a lot. So, we're a new show. If you guys want to share the love, share the awesome things you found here, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find us on Twitter at Keep It Cryptic, that's K-E-E-P-I-T Cryptic, or you can find us on Medium or Steemit at A Bit Cryptic, A-B-I-T-C-R-Y-P-T-I-C, kind of like the show name, A Bit Cryptic. Again, that's on Medium or Steemit, and we have other articles that aren't just podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening, and as always, keep it cryptic.